Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. A quick note before we begin. What you're about to hear is an update to an episode I released back in April of 2018 that was simply titled The Toronto Van Attack. If you haven't listened to that episode and you don't know the story, I suggest you listen to part one first. I've added a link to part one in the episode notes, and I've reorganized the nighttime episode archive to place the series in sequence. Now with that said, let's get to it. Tonight, in this episode of Nighttime, our topic will be the Toronto van attack of 2018 and the subsequent confession of Alec Manassian. You are tuned to the Nighttime Podcast, focused on the fringe of Canada. I'm going to update you on the uh, investigation aspect of homicides uh, 18 to 27 for this year. It is alleged that during the morning hours, as the chief mentioned, of Monday, April 23rd, the accused, now known to be 25-year-old Alec Manassian, attended a rider truck rental facility. He then proceeded to rent a panel style van. Uh, Subsequent to that, he then made his way to the area of Finch and Young Street in Toronto, and this was around 1.30 p.m. The accused is alleged to have posted a cryptic message on Facebook minutes before he began driving the rented van, and he drove it southbound on Young Street and onto the crowded sidewalks. He continued to drive southbound on Young Street, deliberately striking pedestrians on the sidewalk and roadway with the vehicle. The accused was arrested by a member of the Toronto Police Service in the area of Young and Shepherd Avenue. Once arrested, the accused was taken to 32 Division and he was investigated by the Homicide Squad. He has been charged with 10 counts of first-degree murder, 13 counts of attempted murder, and we're anticipating a 14th count of attempted murder which will be laid shortly following some uh, follow-up investigation. And because the accused has been charged, I'm restricted from discussing any evidence involved in the investigation, including any questions uh, pertaining to motive. So Scott, it's been a little over a year since we lasted the episode talking about the Toronto van attack. Since you're living right there and, and you know you walk by the scene of this crime all the time, like what's been happening? What's the mood like in Toronto? Is this still something that's talked about often? Well, it's not so much often because people just, to be honest, they move on from things in, in this city and, you know, but there was a memorial on the one year anniversary where the van attack originated. And uh, there was representatives from my workplace attending as well to pay the respects. Uh, yeah, it really hit the neighborhood hard for sure. I, I bet. And what about like damage to the the street? Like when you walk by this area now, you know, a, a little over a year later, do do you still see any sign of this having happened? No, no. They would have cleaned it up by now, you know. But the it's just such a sad story. The emotional scars will always be there, to be honest with you. And it seems like uh, the city may be more cautious than it had been. Like just when we were in Toronto doing the live show a couple months back, one thing I did notice in Toronto was 
uh, near some major areas, like outside, like a big subway station that I was at, they had um, these kind of like cement barriers that were dividing the sidewalk from the street. I just like, and I, and I noticed it. And I remember thinking like, I wonder if this has anything to do with what happened in April of 18. Oh, definitely. They, they'll put up uh, big concrete barriers or they'll even put like cement trucks or dump trucks like in front of like a group of people, uh, you know, to stop, you know, van attacks and from happening actually, yeah. you know, Dan Maple Leaf square where they, uh, they play the Raptors games and the Leafs games there on the big screen. Mm-hmm. They'll have um, they'll usually take precautions like that to make sure. Wow, and I don't know if that's con- I, like Halifax isn't as big of a city. I've never seen anything like that here. Maybe other large cities have it, but it, it stood out to me when I was in Toronto. But regardless, it's like something like this. It will never be forgotten, and it'll always you know affect Toronto's uh, you know life in Toronto. But there's still like this is still an unfolding story like this all happened april of 2018 so just about a year ago just over a year ago and when we did the first episode that was like i think we recorded that like three days after if even three days after it all happened and at that time alec manassian's name came out but everything was just speculation like as far as his motivation and, and and whatnot but um, the the big thing that happened this past week is the the video and audio of the interrogation or, or interview or whatever you want to call it that Alex Manassian gave to the police officers just I, I think it was about three hours after he was arrested. Um, that audio has now been released so we get a, a very good indication of exactly what he was thinking and what his motivation was and it's 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 pretty dark. Like, have when this all came out, like when this inter, the interrogation and whatnot was was released. Like, this must have been big in Toronto. Like, people were finally getting to you know see kind of the monster that attacked them, basically. Oh yeah, I, I mean at work we we were all we were all talking about it, and uh, you know it's a big deal for sure. Yeah. So we'll get into it now. So what I've done is I've separated like the, the actual interrogation that includes the confession is just about four hours long. I'm not going to play the whole thing. I have it. I have about uh, I think I have about 15 minutes of it divided up over over se- several sections that we can listen to and kind of chat it out as it goes. But before we get into the first piece, just to put it in context. So basically, Alex Manassian released the the message on Facebook that basically said private recruit Manassian infantry you know triple o ten wishing to speak with Sergeant Forchan the incel rebellion has already begun will overthrow the Chads and Stacys all hail the supreme gentleman Elliot Roger so that was the the Facebook message he left shortly after you know ten people are killed sixteen injured after he takes his rented um, rider cube van off the road onto the sidewalk and, you know, and intentionally does this. Um, after being arrested, shortly after this all begins, he begins the interrogation with, with the officer. So we'll get into the the first piece of the, the interrogation and the interview now. What we're going to hear first is the, the detective... Uh, basically introduce himself and begin building rapport. 
Hello. Hi, how are you? Doing good, how are you? Good, good. Do you drink water? Sure. Thank you very much. Thanks so much. How are you feeling? Feeling good. You feeling okay? My name's Rob Thomas. Nice to meet you. How are you? How are you? You doing okay? Yeah. Yeah, you probably have better days than this, I guess, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I am a little shaken, to be honest. You're a little shaken? No, like, it's not my usual day, obviously. Yeah, yeah, no, I can appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Um, mind if I call you Alec? Yeah, sure. Is it, what do your friends normally call you? Alec. Alec. Alec, uh, I want you to understand something. I'm a senior detective with the Toronto Police. I don't wear a, a, a uniform. Uh, I wear a, a, a suit and tie because of the type of work I, that I do. But although I'm in a, a suit and tie, I'm, I'm an actual police officer, okay? I got called in for this, this this specific case because of what's happened and the involvement and everything else that's been going on, okay? Uh, before we get started, I want you to know that we're being videotaped and audio taped, mm -hmm. okay? Okay. Do you know what I mean by that? Yes, everything I see and do is being captured. Exactly, yeah, on, on audio and video, okay? Now, uh, here's what I want to do, uh, Alec. Um, I want to talk to you, okay? Um, we're going to spend a, 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 a good deal of time together, okay? Uh -huh. um, it's important that I talk to you, all right? So what we heard there, it's, again, it's, it's starting off slow, but really we hear the detective, detective Rob Thomas basically very cautiously, slowly and clearly introduce himself, and he seems to be trying to build some rapport. Yeah, just with like, you know, I'm, I'm guessing you're not having a, g a great day today. Yeah. Sort of, like he seems really casual, mm -hmm. non-threatening. But um, already you can kind of hear, like I, I was kind of surprised that Alec Manassian didn't seem, like he says in there, I'm, I'm a little bit shaken to be honest with you. Yeah. He sounded pretty calm and even his body language in the video to me, he looked like, you know, he looked like he wasn't just arrested for killing 10 people. Yeah. yeah. So so that's basically how it starts. The next piece of, of the recording is going to be when Detective Thomas gets into probing kind of the incel ideology and really gets Alex talking about, you know, his beliefs and seemingly his motivation. I, I've done a little bit of um, uh, reading, and I know a little bit about um, involuntary uh, celibacy. Ce ce celibacy, right? So being celibate, involuntarily yes. celibate. What does that mean? That means, an celibacy means uh, someone who never perform has a sexual intercourse. Right. Uh, involuntary celibacy means this wasn't your choice. I you see. essentially are uh, have been thrown into true forced loneliness and you're unable to lose your virginity. Right. This is especially uh, painful for uh, young males. You mentioned this and I forgot. When did you first go on the 4chan? 2014. 2014. And specifically when? In 2014. May 23, uh, 2014. And how were you able to remember that? Because I remember that was a uh, very significant day. Okay. What, what day was? What was that? Uh, that was when uh, Elliot Roger uh, decided to essentially uh, commit an uprising right. against the uh, Chads and the Stacys. Uh, it was uh, Elliot Roger who was the the father. Basically, the, the, the founding forefather the founding of the, forefather. the entire movement. Right, right. So explain to me this movement. What's this movement about? It's 
it's basically a movement of angry uh, incels such as myself who are unable to get laid therefore we want to overthrow the uh, chads mm -hmm. which would uh, force the stasis to to uh, reproduce with the incels right right okay when you say incels involuntary uh, celib celibate celibate so that's just a, a, sh a short for form for 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 fellows who can't get uh, laid can't can't have sex right okay and uh what happened in the uh elliot rogers uh, uprising what did he do i know he used a uh, gun as well as a, a vehicle to um convert the life status of certain individuals to a uh, death status right um o only to uh, carry the message that um, incels uh, can't be oppressed. And then, uh, what about um, Chris Harper Mercer? What uh, what did he do? He used a gun for uh, all of his murders. And were these fellas active on 4chan? Yes. They were. Have you ever communicated with these fellas? I actually have, as a matter of fact. Who, who did you communicate with? Both of them, actually. Really? We discussed our uh, frustrations at society and being unable to get laid, and we were plotting a certain uh, timed strikes mm -hmm. on society in order to um, confuse and uh, shake the foundations, just to put all the uh, normies in a uh, state of panic. Okay, and who would be a normie? Uh, normie means uh, normal people. That would be anyone who is uh, considered to be uh, normal by uh, the unfair standards of society. But not the Chads or Stacys. Chads and Chads Stacys are actually mm, above normies, or at least they think they're above normies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So is it fair to say you've got Chads and Stacys up here, normies down here, and then you've got incels who believe they're being rep rep uh, uh, suppressed or repressed, yes. and, and so as a result, even the playing field. Yes. The, you know, they... They convert the Stacys and Chads from living to dead, and, and to so make so that we come out on us to on top. Yeah, more than so. Is there are, are, so the the targets? Who are the targets for the this uprising? Be all of the uh, alpha males. All the alpha males. So the Chads. Yes. So that's those are the people you that that, that you want to kill. Yes. Okay. All right. And who else? Any uh. Uh, any of the Stacys who uh, do not wish to uh, give their love and affection to the incels. Okay, and what about the normies? We don't necessarily wish to uh, kill the normies, but we do wish to uh, subjugate them uh, in order to make them understand that the um, that our type is uh, the more superior one. Right, right. So when you say subjugate, what do you mean by that? Mean, meaning uh, either imprison them or put them in a lower position in society. Okay. All so right. that they acknowledge the incels as the more superior ones. So, listening to that, Scott, it, it makes it pretty clear that he uh, he at least was identifying as a member of the incel movement. And, and I say that because when we record it shortly after this attack occurred, that was still kind of speculation at that point. But hearing him use the language of chads and stasis and normies and, you know, there's... Alec Manassian is way into the incel movement or ideology or whatever you want to call it. What did you th What did you think hearing this guy talk like that? It's well, it's just like we we I mean that we speculated la last year, right? It's it, he's just you know he's mentally ill and 
He really believes in this this movement. You can tell just by the way he's saying it with without any conviction, right? It's, really, yeah, it's it's so matter of fact yeah, the way he's describing fact, it. It's yeah. like the when I hear him talk like that, I feel like this is a person who is like completely obsessed with it. Like yeah. I'm, I feel like it's all he thought about, and you know, I. I could see him just spending all his time just sitting on the message board with just this toxic, misogynistic nonsense just mm-hmm. being, you know, pumped into his brain. And and even like the, you know, I kind of, you'll notice it as it goes, but some of the language he uses is really strange. Like he, he, he said in that clip, converting the life status to death status, oh like uh, in, in describing Elliot Rogers attack. And I just like I, when I first heard it, I'm like, what is with like what a bizarre way to say kill some people, kill somebody. Someone, yeah. B- but but as it goes, he uses that weird sort of language often, and I I don't really get it. But I I kind of get the idea of what the incels believe. Like I understand kind of the ideology or whatever you want to call it. it. Like it's almost too bizarre to be true. It's it's so strange that there are people who feel this way to the point that they're radicalized to to commit violence yeah but i wonder are those kind of i wonder if those are like incel terms you know like life status death status like i wonder yeah it's like although there's not really a religious thing to it it almost sounds like it's almost sounds like you're listening to like a cult member talk about you know their their cult or something yes but but uh, but i guess like maybe it's not religious but it certainly comes down to kind of like belief in a worldview so it is like in a way has some cultish kind of elements to it but uh, we'll we'll get deeper into it now so we've we've heard the introduction we heard him get into the kind of the background on the incels but um like we heard in that that clip there alec manassian mentioned that he said as a matter of fact i knew Elliot Rogers, as well as a, another person who was involved in an incel-motivated murder, the the cops sound, sounded surprised by that. Um, but but Alec Manassian was like, "No, as a matter of fact, I you know I I talked to them." Um, and the detective Thomas is going to start probing that now. And just before, like, spoiler alert, when we get into it, I I doubt a lot of this is true. Like, I don't. I can't imagine that he had connections with them, but we'll, we'll hear him talk about it. So let's get to the let's get to that now. So going back to the conversation with with Chris and uh, Elliot, did you ha- who did you have conversation with first? Let me ask you that. Elliot. Elliot. So how did you learn of Elliot? Because on um, on the. We uh, private messaged each other on uh, Reddit yep. after I saw one of uh, his posts, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we just uh, talked about each other and got to know each other, and we found each other very interesting. We both had the same uh, frustrations at society, right. despite being uh, separated by distance uh, so far apart. Right, right, right. Did you ever visit him? I uh, know, but I wish I could have. Yeah, yeah. Did he ever come and visit you? No, but I wish he did. Yeah. Yeah. When specifically did you first contact or have co- contact with Elliot? January of 2014. 2014. And 
Uh, when did you stop having communication with him? Uh, as soon as he was deceased. Okay. So uh, his act, I, I know, took place in 2014, but I, I wasn't aware of the exact day. What day was it? May 23, uh, 2014. May 23rd. Yeah, you said that. Uh, so when did you last speak to him? May uh, 20. May 20th. And so what did he tell you? He told me that he has to go, he must, he is on a very important mission mm -hmm. and uh, he might not make it back alive. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what did you say to him? I uh, kind of had an idea in my head of what he was uh, planning, but I didn't want to uh, think it was true at the time. So I said, I wish you uh, good luck with that. Right on. Okay. And uh, when did you learn that what he had done? I saw it on the news later that night. Later on the, on the 23rd? Yes. Okay. And what did you think? I thought that I came to the understanding that this is the mission that he had to uh, carry out. Okay. All right. And anything else? I felt kind of uh, proud of him for uh, his acts of bravery. Okay. All right. And what about how you started to, 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 to change your thinking? Was, was, any of the, was, was, that, was any of that going on? I was starting to feel uh, radicalized at that time. You were? Okay. I felt it was time to take action and not just sit on the sidelines and to just uh, fester in my own sadness. Right on. Okay. All right. So what takes place next as part of this, this, this growing radicalization? To be honest, uh, the planning didn't occur until about a month ago. Most of it was actually just thinking. Okay. And daydreaming. Okay. All right. So, the thinking and daydreaming. When did that start? That started about a month after the rebellion in uh, May of 2014. Okay. So. So I mean, so in June, I started uh, thinking about this stuff. And then that continued right up till about a month ago. Yes, which is when I booked uh, the uh, van with the rider okay. in order to. Uh, use as a tool for rebellion. Okay, all right. So t t take me through that process. What was going through your mind and how was, you know, what were you thinking when you were doing all of this? What was going on? I was thinking that it was a time that I uh, stood up to the Chads and Stacys. Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So with that, we hear Alec Manassian's version of his history with Elliot Roger in in the incels. I, I don't know why. I just I I just have my doubts that that's true. Like Elliot Rogers' crime was committed over four years before Alec Manassian, and that seems like a long time for to brood. But it also seems I, I don't know. I just it, I I can't quite put my finger on why I I doubt this is correct i'm sure it'll like win his trial or whatnot i'm sure it's going to come out whether or not this is this is real yeah it seems like he might have done it much sooner um if that if that were true Maybe. yeah i i don't know and and again to 
get back to one other thing we said. We talked about um, some of the language. He he said some other strange things here. One of the things he said is he booked the van. You know, he so he Elliot Roger did what he did. He waited four years. Then he booked the ba- the van with a plan to use it as a tool for rebellion. And, and again, that's really strange language to use for I booked the van to kill people with. But but this whole thing is just strange. So the the next part of the interview we're going to jump into is Alec Manassian walking Detective Thomas from basically from picking up the van up until his arrest. So we basically will hear him describe the attack in, in this part. And this is one of the stranger, you know, three or four minutes of audio I think I've ever heard. Tell me what takes place. So I uh, booked the van. Yeah. And then I just simply wait until uh, today. Yeah. And then I go rent the van and then I uh, drive it, take it downtown to Toronto. Okay. And I just start using it as a weapon. And and so when you say that, what, what do you mean by that? Meaning I it, the vehicle collided with uh, several pedestrians, some of who are no longer alive as a result. Uh, Okay, and uh, so that's a lot of information. Take me back to uh, a month ago. You said this is when this whole planning started? Yes. Okay, so about a month ago, where were you at that point? I was at Seneca College and I decided to uh, phone Ryder and uh, book either a truck or a van with them and they had a, a, a 10 uh, foot van uh, available. Mm-hmm. So I figured that this is perfect. Mm-hmm. I can not, it's uh, big enough to have an effect, but not too big that I can't maneuver with it. Uh, so van was the perfect uh, medium size to use as my uh, weapon. Okay, so when do you leave Ryder? I wasn't looking at the time when I left, but I know I received the, the van before 1 p.m., although was, uh, the booking was actually scheduled for 1. Okay, all right. And how long does it take you to get from Ryder to Young Street? Oh, to Young? Uh, the beginning of the attack. Oh, to the near Young and Fitch. Yeah. I would estimate about uh, 20 to 30 minutes. 20 to 30 minutes. Now, what are you thinking while you're in the van? Uh, I'm thinking that this is it. This is the day of retribution. Okay. And uh, anything else in your mind? Just that. That's okay. the, that's the only thing that's in my mind. It's just burning in my mind. Burning in your mind. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so let me ask you this, because this is really interesting. Why do you choose Young and Finch? I, w- I didn't choose Young and Finch in particular. I was driving down Young because I knew it would be a busy area. Mm-hmm. And then as soon as I saw there were uh, pedestrians, mm-hmm. I just decided to uh, go for it. Okay. And so where specifically were you in terms of your specific location? Where were you when you just decided to go for it? I was uh, at some traffic lights. Are you faced with a red light? You're stopped? Uh, yes, but as soon as it turned green, I uh, started going. Okay, and it, it just walk me through this, okay, step by step. So it turns green, and what are you thinking? I'm thinking that uh, this is it. I see all these people. It's uh, time to uh, go for it. Time to go for it. And what do you do? I 
uh, floor the pedal, yeah. I speed the van towards them, and I uh, allow the van to uh, collide with them. Okay. And then what happens? Uh, some people get knocked out of the way, some people roll o over the top of the van. Okay. And then what, what happens? I uh, continue doing that until... Um, I, in fact, actually, to be honest, the only reason I stopped my attack was because someone's drink got splashed on my uh, windshield, and I was worried that I would uh, crash the van anyway, so I decided, okay, now I, I wanted to do more, but I've kind of been foiled by a lack of visibility, so then that's when I uh, pulled, I turned right, and I pulled, and I saw the cops approaching, so I decided to pull over and get out of my van. Okay. Why do you turn right? Because there wasn't any convenient place to stop at Young. And like I said, that there was a lack of visibility on my windshield. I could hear the cops coming anyway, so the, the, when I turned right, there was a convenient place to pull over on the sidewalk. Okay. So you end the assault? Yes. Okay. And you end it because you can't see? Yes. And you knew the cops were coming? Yes. Okay. And so then what happens at that point? Uh, I. I see a patrol car pull over and I hear the cops screaming at me to get out. So I get out and I uh, point my wallet at the cop in it with the intent for it to be confused at the gun so that I could be fatally shot. Okay. And was that something you were thinking about? Yes. I know what I mean, I, I, what I'm saying even, is... Even beforehand, I uh, premediated as an attempted uh, suicide by cop. You wanted to you wanted to be killed by the police? Yes. Okay. Can I ask why you decided to, to, to equip yourself with a wallet and not something else? Uh, I was worried. I was thinking about purchasing a toy gun, right. but I was kind of paranoid that some... the Rydal rental company would ask to see my pockets or any bag if I chose to bring that, so I decided to go as stealthy as possible so no one suspects anything. Okay, all right. Nevertheless, you get out of the, the van, the officer, or, or sorry, uh, it, correct me if I'm wrong, because I want to make sure I get this right. You get out of the van because the officer orders you out? Yes. Okay. Uh, and you want to uh, you want to die by, uh, by, by suicide by police, uh, so you point your wallet at him? Yes. Okay, and, and uh, do you say anything to the officer? Uh, I actually told him that I had a gun in my pocket, which okay. was untrue. Right. Uh, then, I, had to, I twice I stuck my left hand in my uh, pocket and attempted to do this just to uh, provoke a uh, reaction. Okay. Unfortunately, he didn't react, right. so then I ended up being ordered to the ground, so I knew at that point he's not going to shoot me, so I've lost, so I, just, I had no choice but to just get on the ground. So that's a, a pretty chilling account of what happened. A pretty chilling and matter-of-fact account of what happened. Mm -hmm. What do you think, you know, hearing that, seeing as you basically, you know, lived through this happening, you know, right, right outside your door for the most part? It's uh, it's just uh, really crazy. Well, like I said on the last episode that we talked about this, I like I I feel like it, I could have been one of his victims to be honest. Like because I walk across that street every day. Uh, yeah, so. it's 
it, it's like it doesn't even seem real and it doesn't seem like something that would happen you know in Toronto it's just I don't know like Toronto's a big city and I guess there are you know bizarre people all over the place so I guess it's destined to happen everywhere like things like that are destined to happen everywhere but it it's so cold and he's so detached from it like again with the with the language that he's used he said one of the things he said was like I allowed the van to collide with people which is just weird to say I allowed the van to do it because it's like he didn't allow the van to do it he did it and he also yeah and like he also described it as the vehicle collided with several pedestrians some of who are no longer alive as a result it just seems like that language is like keeping him a step away from being responsible. It's almost like he's blaming the van. It's really weird. And then for, and then for it all to end with, he got water or someone's drink splashed on his window. Yeah. And that was what stopped him. Like, yeah, it foiled him is what it's, what he said. Yeah. Foiled by that. (laughs) Foiled foiled with, with visibility. And, you know, he talked about, in, in a prior clip, he talked about Elliot Rogers being brave. Elliot Rogers basically drove around in a sports car shooting his gun out of a, the window. Like, he had this high-end sports car. Like, that is, like, the least brave thing I think you could do. But maybe it's tied with this, the other least brave thing, which is rent a huge cube van and drive that down the sidewalk, hitting people who have no idea what's coming. And then to show, like, how... You know, just the state of this guy, somebody's drink got on his window. And that's when he decided to give up after killing 10 people. Like, it's it's like it's absurd to, to hear him say that. And, you know, and then that whole scene plays out with we talked about this a lot in the first episode. But basically, he got out of the van trying to get the cop to kill him by, you know, acting like he had a gun in his pocket. But the, the cop like was having none of it. The cop was just like, you know, get on the ground. But and that's still like that that clip of the cop not being phased by this guy pretending to pull out a gun over and over again. It's just such a a classic case of like just composure and guts and and the type of bravery that Alec Manassian saw in Elliot Rogers act. It's like that the cop that's that was the one act of bravery, I think, in this in this whole mess. Yeah. Um, so the the last before we get into the last piece, anything else you want to say about him describing his his attack? It's it's just it's chilling, to be honest. Uh, he he really shows no signs of remorse. And uh, no. I worry that, you know, he'll get NCR and he'll be out walking around. Yeah, no we'll get into we'll yeah we'll we'll get into that because that's that's definitely something that's going to come up I'm sure in his, in his trial it'll it'll have to, but um, the last thing here is basically a short clip of the, the detective Thomas I'm not sure there must be some reason for this but he was really kind of he was really trying to get Alec Manassian to talk about how he felt about what he did. I included just a small part of this just because it's like, again, it's chilling and it gives a kind of a look into like this, a psychological look at, at what's happening. So we'll get that last clip and then we'll, then we'll talk about what will come next. 
I'm going to ask you this because uh, it's important. Um, Ten people died here today. Um, Fifteen people were seriously injured. Um, I think it's important to ask how you feel about that. I feel like uh, I accomplished my mission. You feel like you accomplished your mission? Yes. Okay. If the families of those people who were murdered and were injured were in this room right now, what would you say to them? I honestly don't know what I would say. Would you apologize? I honestly don't know. Yeah. Detective Thomas really got right to it there. Like, what would you say to them? He had he had no response for that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that was right after saying, like, I feel like I've accomplished my mission. It, not to, like, argue the logic of what he did, but when you think of kind of the way he described the ideology of, of the incel, I don't see what this kind of a crime or what this attack, like, how that would further... The, the position of an incel it's I don't I don't get that one part of it but I guess maybe it's illogical well he's a terrorist right it, that that's the thing and they just want to bring they want to bring attention to their their twisted cause right so yeah and it's like and there's no question he believes it like when you hear him talk about this but yeah it's bizarre and it's still playing like his the the next stage of this is at this point, it's looking like February that he's going to be going to trial again for 10 murders and the 16, I'm sure. Well, I don't even know how many attempted murders. 16 were injured, but a lot of people weren't injured because they jumped out of the way of them or whatnot. So there's going to be a lot of charges putting against him. He's pled not guilty. Yet this, you know, this audio clip that, or this audio that we're listening to, hours of this, is out there. So, like... The, you, you had mentioned NCR, which is in Canada. That's when you plead not guilty be, uh, due to the not criminally responsible for right. for the crime. Yeah. There's there's a legal definition for it. So it's it's basically that the crime was committed while one was suffering from a mental disorder that rendered the person incapable of appreciating the nature and quality of the act or omission or of knowing that it was wrong. In, in this case, like, he, I think he's going to have an uphill battle if he plans to use not criminally responsible as a defense because, for one, yeah, he's proud of doing it. Secondly, he admits that he knew it was wrong, like he was trying to kind of conceal what he was doing and he was, he was deciding to do it and he had a reason he was doing it, which was to further the, you know, the incel cause or whatnot. Like, it wasn't like, let's say... On our on my podcast, I covered Rohini Bissasar, the the path stabber in Toronto, yeah. who she successfully used the NCR defense in her in her um, case for a murder. She was charged with murder, but her case had had you know it was all about her hearing voices, and it was this this completely random thing that made no sense whatsoever. Yeah. Alec Manassian, although the whole thing is bizarre, like. He decided to do this and set out and did it and was proud of having done it. And he sounds, although 
detached and weird in his language. He sounds coherent and organized in thought to me. Yeah. Yeah, he was able to go rent a vehicle and yeah, and, and it just like like in hearing hearing him describe it, like just comparing with Rohini Bissasar, she was while on trial, she was trying to get the girl who was murdered to take the stand, and she was basically arguing why the person that was murdered wouldn't take the stand. Like it was, you know, madness. Yeah, um, exactly. This this guy, Alec Manassian, he seems really organized and coherent and calm and in his telling like he doesn't sound like someone who's in the midst of a you know a mental nervous breakdown although again i'm not an expert so i don't know what that would sound like but that's not how it strikes me but again some things to this point is the language he was using is so you know making it sound so detached and maybe i don't know maybe he feels that way and then also like one thing that i thought was really weird he was talking about like they asked why he used his wallet rather than like a toy gun. And he was worried that people at the rider rental place made <laughs> like I've rented a lot of cars and I never once thought, you know, they were ever, it would ever be appropriate for them to look at my pocket. Yeah. So it's a weird, concern. I don't know. Yeah. And I just, when I heard that, I was like, Ooh, like something is, you know, seriously wrong with, with this, with this guy. But, like what's going to be interesting is when this does go to trial again, hopefully in February, if reports from, you know, like mental health professionals are, are put into evidence, like to see what, what diagnosis they have for him and any explanation as far as why he would do this aside from, you know, the, what he just said in that confession. Like, I, I think that's going to be really interesting. Yeah. We all get frustrated, Jordan, with our lives, right? And, uh, you know, people, whether it's their jobs or their love life or, you know, their sports teams aren't winning, like, you shouldn't go rent a van and kill 10 people. Yeah, and of, of course you shouldn't. But, but on top of that is, like, human life like it shouldn't be you shouldn't be able to just calmly recount it you know because again like we're listening to this a little over a year later but this what we're hearing him talk is like you know hours after he drove down a busy sidewalk hitting hitting people and killing them like intentionally like it you shouldn't be able to just that shouldn't be okay for any human. Something's seriously wrong if it gets to that point. Yeah, he's just sitting there talking about it as if it, like someone asked him how his day was. Yeah, and it just it reminds me of the series that I did where I interviewed Lindsay Suvonaroth. Like it's yeah, although she she didn't kill anybody, but she had the same kind of cold, matter of fact telling of what happened as I'm hearing with this guy, and it's just like I I just. To me, like the, the the most horrifying thing of all this is that there are people like that. These people are real and they did this. And how many other people are out there that are capable of this kind of nonsensical, violent, horrifying acts that is, you know, completely pointless. And like to me, I, that that scares the crap out of me. Yeah, indeed. There's probably quite a few people like that. All right, so we'll we'll continue this talk, uh, hopefully late February when if this case makes it to court at that when when it's scheduled and 
when this all gets wrapped up, we'll do a third part to you know talk about what comes out, what comes out in trial, and you know what comes of Alec Manassian and what kind of justice his victims are going to receive. Yeah, I'll be following for sure. I'll be following that trial very, very closely. I want to dedicate this episode to the memories of the victims of this horrific and senseless attack. My hope is that justice will be served and served up in whatever way the friends and families of the victims see fit. And with that, we'll conclude this episode of Nighttime. But before I wrap things up, I'm going to give some thanks. I want to thank my best friend Scott for again joining me to discuss a crime that quite literally occurred on his doorstep. And next... A big shout out to the Canadian bands Vox Somnia and Paragon Cause who provide a lot of the music for nighttime. You can check out these great bands using the link in the episode notes. And then of course, the biggest thanks of all goes out to everyone listening. Without you all, I'd have no excuse to spend so much of my time putting the show together. And for anyone out there who wants more nighttime, please consider supporting my Patreon campaign. For a dollar a month, you can access the ad-free premium feed, which provides early releases of the episodes. And then, for a couple bucks more, you can access the Nightcap After Show episodes, in which I and a guest climb even further down the rabbit holes than what you'll hear in the main episode. You can join by visiting patreon.com slash nighttimepodcast. And with that said, I'd like to thank the current patrons of the show and welcome the new members to the group. Gina, Matt McKay, Hazmek, Shannon, and Andre, I appreciate your generous support of Nighttime. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't help financially, you can give a big hand by telling your friends about me and leaving a positive review on Apple Podcasts or whichever equivalent you use. If any of you listening want to stay up to date with my activities on and off the show, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I use the handle at NighttimePod. If you have any story ideas or want to give feedback on the show, I'd love to hear from you at nighttimepodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte. Copyright Jordan Bonaparte.